Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Thank you, Susan. How are you doing this evening? Oh, splendidly, because I got a wonderful package from you. Ah, hooray! Hooray! With some of my favorite things in it. 
let's see if I can remember, there was a bottle of motherwort tincture in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who haven't been listening for years, motherwort is our favorite remedy for calming the anxiety of living on a planet with over 8 billion other people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's lots of other smaller anxieties, but I think that's the main anxiety that we all deal with on a daily basis and the consequences of having so many people on this planet from antibiotics and the food and water to uh, um, mm-hmm. the penguin babies dying because the there wasn't enough ice. It's uh, stressful. So yay, motherwort. Yay, motherwort. Yeah. Levers in tallow. Ah, cleavers is a sticky kind of bed straw that is renowned for helping to relieve lymphedema, edema, um, swelling. And tallow is such a wonderful base to put it in. When I was unpacking it, um, one of the students who was here this weekend, I unpacked it in front of everybody so they could see all the beautiful things that you could make a class on great remedies. And I said, well, I know this is just filled with great remedies. Let's open it. Oh, and, cool. uh, Yeah. And so somebody said, what is tallow? And I said, it's animal fat, and but it's more specific. Uh, Rose was telling me that tallow is rendered fat. Tallow is always rendered so there's nothing in it but the fat, and it's usually from around the kidney area. Mm. And I found that quite fascinating. That is very fascinating. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and catnip, catnip and tallow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had shown them how I was using catnip to ward off all kinds of unwelcome visitors from the garden and that I used it both by growing it or actually letting it grow because catnip is a weed in my area Um and I let it grow, but I don't let it seed very much. I do keep track of it and cut, cut it back, because otherwise it, there would be nothing in the herb bed but catnip. And um, I said to them, but here it is as an ointment. And so what this is going to do is help your body do what the catnip is doing for my gardens, repel insects. Yeah, it may work like that, too. It certainly works for my wasping, and it works for um, any itchiness of things. I haven't had to try it on poison ivy yet, knockwood, 
Um, but I'm curious to see even how that goes. It's re- it's just very soothing. Um, it does have <gasps> a scent to it, but yeah, it's very oh, soothing. Very soothing. Oh, how beautiful! How wonderful! And our f- favorite of the year, Hypericum. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Hypericum tincture. And somebody asked about Hypericum at the class this weekend, and um, Justine said, go and get the course. She said it's one of the best online learning deals out there. And I thought, you know, that's so true. I never even thought about that. But it is a huge amount of information for very little money. Looking at, you know, I sign up for a lot of conferences. I don't hardly go to them, but I sign up for them because I want to see what's happening and who's doing what and what they're charging. And they're charging hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to um, buy access to the course. They, like us, are also offering it, you know, for a certain amount of time, short amount of time for free. Um, but then the, the take-home price, it gets really steep. I'm like, wow, okay, so I'm so glad that we're continuing um, something that was always important to me as a working mom, as a single mom, was that I didn't have a lot of what they call discretionary income. In other words, money left over after food shelter and clothing are taken care of. Mm -hmm. So I've always made it my goal to be as available as I can to women who find themselves in that same place that I found myself. Wanting to learn and not being able to afford very much. Mm. After all, it's wise like based on sharing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm. uh, seems like everything is really putting on a last burst of glory. Yes. Oh, feels like blowing in. Right, before he just starts to get some cold going. Are your mm-hmm. evenings cooling off? They're definitely cooling off, and mornings too, and yes, it's uh, leaves, like a a very thin first layer of leaves are coming onto the ground. We're supposed to get back to the 90s, though, this weekend and most of next week, so it's like spring in reverse. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Don't be getting at your mittens yet. Right. (laughs) Well, we are up to our elbows in peaches, and this year I just cooked them all day by day. We harvested as many as we could, and I cooked them with honey and put them in the freezer, and then we threw the pits into a big jar, three cups of pits with flesh on them, not just the pits, because these are freestone peaches, so we actually cut the flesh off, so there's a fair amount of flesh left on the bits. Not a huge amount, but a fair amount. And a um, cup and a half of sugar, four cups of water, three cups of, and the recipe calls for fruit pits and rinds. It's literally something that you make 
when you're making some kind of fruit thing from the, quote, waste part of the fruit. Okay. And it's, I call them uh, fizzes because, of course, there's natural yeast on the fruit. And so if you mm. add sugar and water and the fruit and lightly cover it, like with a, a towel, something breathable, a paper towel or a cloth towel, it will start to fizz. And then you drink it. I like to dilute it because it's kind of sweet. And dilute it either with mm-hmm. plain water or seltzer water. If you want it like super fizzy, seltzer water like doubles up on the fizz. But it's already mm-hmm. fizzy on its own. And we did elderberry fizz, which was scrumptious. And mm. then peach it fizz. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to use stuff your own way. You could just put like good fruit, like elderberries, in it. Ooh, the elderberry fizz, yum. And then peach mm. fizz, and that's all fizzed and bottled. And so today, I've been cooking down the. I'm going to say peach pits, but I'm actually standing here taking the pits out of it. It's pulp. It's the peach pulp from the pits that we use to make the fizz. Okay. Right? So this is the cut third generation. Cut the flesh off the peaches, cooked that with honey, and froze it. There was still flesh on the pits. We... Very lightly fermented. It's it's fermented like kombucha's fermented. It's just a fizz, right, rather than mm-hmm. a full-out ferment. And now I'm cooking the fleshy pits from the fizz, which is all bottled and refrigerated now, down with ginger and cloves and cinnamon and sugar. Brown oh, it looks like a is bubble de bubble bubble cauldron, and it tastes. You taste it, and you go clove, cinnamon, ginger, ginger, oh ginger! <laughs> oh, I want someone a scoop of vanilla ice cream. It sounds so good. <sighs> <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> yes, vanilla ice cream or vanilla yogurt. <laughs> mm, that no, one bite. Vanilla ice. This needs vanilla ice cream. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! And and actually, I was thinking today. You know, you've been so into the peaches, you have ignored the hops. So mm. I must move myself into action to go and harvest the hops. Oh, fun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they're, still, they're, they're right at that point for you up there, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Good, good lot of hops this year. Oh, wow. So I got to go out there and my arms to shreds harvesting hops. Those vines are so... They're not like thorny. They have, and you don't even really notice at first that they have those little, you know, recurved things on them. But they they just even lightly touch your skin. It looks like you've been lashed. Yes, I'll tell yes, you. Yes, I've learned to wear long sleeves when I go out to do the hops. Like otherwise, 
you look like mm-hmm. you've been battling plants. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen. Tomato plants can definitely leave me marked up with interesting, just things I can't get off. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you been up to? What's keeping you busy? Um, The garden is definitely keeping me busy. Lots of greens. I cooked more collards than, honestly, I've ever cooked in my life at once. Yes. Um, so many collars. I had been, they were in the pot for an hour before I finished cutting the whole lot that I had. <laughs> so they like the, what I put in first had already been cooking an hour by the time I put in what I had cut last. So that wow, the collar. Yes, that so was a lot. And doesn't it just feel satisfying when you carry those cooked greens in their whatever you're freezing them into the freezer and tuck them away? Yes, I pack them neatly into little, you know, freezer ziplocs and lay them flat so I can stack lots of them in there. And it does. It it, it does. It feels nice. Sometimes oh, I just go and open the freezer and look at it and go, I'm so rich. Oh. I can, I can choose collards or kale or amaranth or beet greens or lamb's quarter. Oh. Rich in greens. This is really greenback. Mm, yes, gratitude. Much, much gratitude. Such gratitude. The real, the real wealth from the earth. The greens. Mm, yes, and to be a part of, oh, watching it start and grow and harvest and then, oh, I just love that. And the soil. That's. Someone asked us this weekend, so why do you have goats? Because I didn't, you know, we don't, we didn't, they didn't have kids this year. So um, I, I was like, you know, truly it's become as much about the soil as it has the milk. So we are just having so much fun experiencing life with the soil. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like compost made from goat barn leavings. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, we, something came up this weekend between my husband and me, and we have decided that next year, you know, we do, we, we have planted all heirlooms the years we've been here and it it has resulted in some failures, but we've gotten now to the point where most things will grow, although carrots keep getting crowded out. But I think that's really because we are going to let the garden next year be a wild heirloom garden, do nothing to it other than tend it with the soil and see what happens because so much this year has come up on its own and it's just been amazing to see what those plants, where they want to be and how much and how vigorous they are. So we're going to, we're going to have an area that is just for the garden to be edible wild, like cultivated wild. How is that even possible? Yeah. Heirloom wild. (laughs) There we go. I call I call it wild tended. I love that. Yes, <clears throat> That's, love that. Love that. I, I am actually, I am actually tending it. I'm pulling out grass. I am taking out ragweed. You know, there's there's certain plants on my hit list. Oh, me too. 
Me right? too. And it's amazing how good of a, like, people ask, I can't even tell the difference between, I just look there and I see all the same thing. And it's like, well, just, if you pick one plant to focus on, I remember when I was at your house, it was the ragweed. And I learned so much by just focusing on the ragweed that I was pulling because so many people that were attending classes were allergic to it and there was a lot in a certain area. So I just, I, that's an amazing way to learn plants is to pick one that's not invited to that space and focus only on it and that you'll notice a lot. So, yeah. A lot. Yes. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, lots to do out there, everybody. We we did a lot this weekend. I had my heart broken open. There's mm-hmm. a woman who comes to a yoga class that I attend, and she asked me about something that has been distressing her for years. I believe she said all of her life. And that no doctor has actually been able to help her with. And I said, Yellow Doc might help. And the next week she came back shining and saying, yes, yes, Yellow Doc, it did it. It did what nothing else has ever been able to do. Right? And I, of course, said, it's a weed. And now that you know it works, you can go out and you can pick it yourself and you can make your own tincture. And she says, no, I can't. No, no, I'm a, I'm a recovered alcoholic. I can't get anywhere near the tincture. I, I'm leaving out the part where I had to convince her it was okay to take the tincture, which she did finally agree to. Um, but she's like backing off on even considering making it. So just, you know, dropped it. And then this Friday, she was asking me about places to get yellow duck tincture. And that said to me that she was running out of what she had bought. And so I told her that we were going to harvest yellow duck this weekend and make yellow duck tincture and she should come to class. And she did. And she, with the help of the whole class, dug a yellow dock root, a pretty big Rumex Crispus, the curly dock. As a matter of fact, there was enough to make three yellow dock tinctures. So she did really, and she washed the root, and she cut it up, and she put it in the jar, and then I put the vodka over it. And she labeled it, and she went home with four ounces of her own yellow duck tincture. Wow. Wow, how magical. Does it get any better? (laughs) 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 Oh, you guys. That is just like the green. The true green is right there. He has a friend from life, a friend that grows all over the world. We heard from Atalia, the apprentice who just graduated, who's now back home in Germany, and she says, all of my friends are here. Oh, yes. They were waiting for me to come home. Welcome. 
<laughs> so this evening's guest is someone that I am very eager to hear what she has to say. Her name is Deborah Wayne, and she's the founder of the International Chronic Pain Institute. She's a world-renowned energy healer whose leading-edge non-drug method, known as high-speed healing, has helped tens of thousands of people in over 160 countries to rapidly release chronic pain, pain, depression, anxiety, trauma, and a whole host of other mysterious and chronic conditions. Deborah Wayne will be here to share the high-speed healing that's possible. Nine o'clock. East Coast time, stick with us or come back then to hear Deborah Wayne. Anybody with a question tonight? Uh, yes, let's see. We have uh, four hands that are raised in the queue, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1, then we'll see your hand go up, and when it's your turn, I'll announce your area code, and you will be live on the line with Susan. All right, and it looks like we have six hands that are up at this time. We'll go to the first caller dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thanks. So I'm sick and tired of my medication, and uh, I have a neighbor who is eight years older than me, and instead of the medication that she was given by a doctor, she's taking uh, natokinases, kinase, and uh, it works to lower blood pressure, and it's an anti-inflammatory. And actually, she got this from a a doctor, an allopathic doctor told her, not to tell anybody that he said that. And for five years, she's fine. She's walking. She's moving around. And I am dizzy, drowsy, and depressed with my metoprolol, and I am angry as hell. So tell us us again what she's taking. uh, Natokinase. Natokinase. N-A-T-T-O. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's a soy. kind of fermented soy. Yes, fermented soy, yeah. Uh-huh, and she takes it as a powder? Um, I think she takes it as a pill, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's certainly right up there with miso and tamari as a really excellent fermented soy food. Uh, but we've had an almost impossible time getting Americans, myself included, to eat it or like it because it's like black snot. I can't uh, just swallow it with water. I have to eat it. Well, it depends on the individual person. You can certainly go to the health food store and buy it. Mm -hmm. It is definitely an item of commerce and see if it works for you as a pill. What I'm saying is it's a traditional Japanese food that has not made it on to the American plate because of a textural problem. 
And that's why it's usually presented as a pill. I see. I re- I do remember once eating fermented thing, and uh, I kind of liked it. I don't know if I'd like to eat that every day, but the question is, can I stop my medication, which I want very much? I stopped one day, and the, my blood pressure went from 140 to 158, and uh, I really got scared. So I took only half a pill. I'm supposed to take one pill of 25 milligrams, half and half, morning at night, and I decided that I'll take only half, one half instead of two to begin with, and I don't know if that's a brilliant idea. Have you been doing that for a while, or are you just going to start that? No, I... Uh, I'm just thinking, and I did it for one day, and this morning when I woke up after a a long series of unbelievable nightmares, and I saw 158 without even lifting a finger, I said, oh, my God. So I took my half, but that's what it is, and I don't feel like taking the other half now. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the question is... I, I, I would say that you'll be able to tell if it's going to work, to take half as much. And it would probably work best if the half a pill were itself divided in half and taken morning and night. Oh, it is. The damn thing is so powerful, and that's why it makes me dizzy. Exactly. Yeah. So don't even take a half at a time. Just take a quarter at a time. But take the quarter, a quarter in the morning and a quarter at night. And this then sets you up to reduce it even further if it turns out that the natto is very effective for you. So you're saying to take both? To take half, a quarter of a and the natto? I'm saying that natto is a food. And as a food, there are basically no contraindications to using it with drugs. Yeah, but I'm thinking it's a drug. I don't mean to enjoy eating it. You can take both at the same time, (laughs) which is a good way to get your body accustomed to something, right? Yes. So you take what you've been taking that your body knows how to deal with, and you take the new thing. And then you gradually withdraw the thing you don't want to be taking. Uh huh. And 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 how much should I take of this natto? It's kind of like learning to ride a bicycle with training wheels, right? Yeah, yeah, I understand. How and much how much na- should you take of the natto? I'm yeah. sure whatever you buy will have a dosage recommendation. Oh, so whatever it's written on the on the thing, I I would take that. That would that would be appropriate, yes. Uh-huh. Well, and meanwhile, I'm still taking the Hawthorne, or I can stop? I take Hawthorne every day. I've been taking Hawthorne every day for, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 years. Uh-huh. Um... I expect to be taking Hawthorne every day for the rest of my life. You have something against Hawthorne. It's certainly not making you dizzy. 
No, no, it, it 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 doesn't feel like it makes me anything. But maybe if you remind me, I will pay attention. <laughs> what Hawthorne what? for the aging heart. Hawthorne okay. increases the heart's ability to pump well. It moderates blood pressure, so that mm-hmm. if someone is taking a drug that um, is lowering blood pressure too much and making them dizzy. The Hawthorne can help bring the blood pressure up. And, right, but if the blood pressure is too high, then Hawthorne brings it down, so it's a moderator. It's not a drug. It doesn't have a direction of action. And uh, uh, twice a day again, because at some point you said take more if whatever... um we're wanting to take less drug, and one way to do that is to take more Hawthorne. Yeah. Well, so Hawthorne is, Hawthorne is in the apple family. It's about as dangerous as applesauce. Applesauce. In other words, it isn't dangerous at all. So yeah. it, however much Hawthorne you want to take, you can. And I know the cardiologist that my sweetheart sees has Mm -hmm. shown us pictures of blood vessels, new blood vessels that have grown to Michael's heart as a result of his taking Hawthorne. Wow. Well, I am taking it, but I was thinking maybe I should take more you said you can increase the dose if it... You can if you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know... You know, we buy a pound of dried hawthorn berries, mm-hmm. put a quarter of a pound in a quart jar, fill it to the top with 100-proof vodka, and then three months later do it again so that over the course of a year we've used the whole pound of hawthorn berries. And I, I personally like my hawthorn tincture from the dry berries to be at least a year old before I start using it. But you could start using it at the three-month mark. That would certainly be fine. I am very but, happy. But by that. buying a pound at a time and putting up four tinctures over a period of a year, then it's easy for me to make more and to have a constant supply. And if I suddenly decide I want to take more, I have it. I have the Catskills Mountain Hawthorne of the berries. And she does uh, such a beautiful job. I love yeah, her work. That's it, yeah. I, I can't go into doing it, but I, I'm happy with it. I mean, whatever happy means, but if you tell me that it does those things, I'll keep taking it. Okay, Thank it does. Thank you. I'll, I'll go on that journey now. Thank you very much. Love you. Green blessings. Good night. I love you too. Good night. <laughs> All right. And looks like our next caller is from the 913 area code. From the 913, you are live with Susan. <clears throat> Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. It's good to talk with you. Hi. Um, I was calling to ask. If you could talk a little bit about, you were talking about your wild tended greens, and I have a new house with a backyard 
with lots and lots of lamb's quarters out there. And I've been drying some to use for later. And um, we went on vacation, and it got super hot. And the batch that I have on my porch is um, kind of bleached out or seems to have less color. And so I was wondering if there's – if you could talk a little bit about the drying process and what to look for, when to pull them and package them. Um, Like in the future, should I have maybe pulled them so they didn't get over-dried? Is that a thing? Um, Is that enough information to go on? It is. It is lamb's quarter and amaranth are beads of virtually every farm and every garden worldwide. And they are fairly unique. Both the greens and the seeds of both plants are edible. Both the greens and the seeds of both plants are complete proteins. It's very rare in greens to find a complete protein. So you have to decide what you want from your lamb's quarter plant. Both lamb's quarter and amaranth are annuals. What they want to do is to drop a seed, have the seed sprout. The seed puts down a root, puts up a stalk. It has flowers and seeds, and it dies. Basil's an annual. So to prevent basil from doing this, we keep cutting off the top so that it can't grow up. It has to grow bushy by doing that kind of top pruning and then doing the ends of the branches pruning on my lamb's lamb's quarter. I've had a single lamb's quarter plant produce greens for cooking all summer long. I'm not sure that I have ever dried lamb's quarter greens, nor would I ever think to do it. One of the kind of niggly things about lamb's quarter greens is that generally, although there are a few species that are different, but generally it, the stalk of the lamb's quarter is too tough. You have to remove the stalk and just cook the leaves. The amaranth stalk is usually edible. It can get woody and too tough to eat, but most of the amaranth stalk is edible. However, the lamb's quarter flowers and seeds are edible green, so if you want cooked greens and it already flowering, it's not a problem. You can just put those in the pan, too. But the amaranth, you can't eat the flowers because they're really bristly. And as I said, it's an annual, so that's what it wants to do. So it goes really quickly past the stage where you can get the amaranth greens and into the stage where it's making flowers and seeds. With both plants, both amaranth and lamb's quarters, once they have gotten well into flowering and making seeds, I stop using the greens. At this point, there is usually a dieback of the greens. There will often be insect infestations in the greens because the plant is really not very concerned about its leaves anymore. It's just going for broke to make as many seeds as it can. 
And so I let it do that, and then I harvest the seeds. Lamb's quarter seeds can be harvested by waiting until most of them are mature, cutting the whole plant and hanging it upside down over newspaper or a piece of plastic or something to catch any seeds that fall out. And in those cases, I do have some dried leaves, but I try not to have a lot. Just my preference. But we, I do use lamb's quarter seed in cooking frequently. And, of course, it's Kenopodium album, the wild one that most of us have. And its sister is Kenopodium quinoa, so it's wild quinoa seed. And that then is so amaranth seed. Right, and then amaranth seed, of course, is amaranth seed, sold as amaranth seed. And it um, is best harvested directly from the plant because the plant ripens its seed over a period of weeks. And I just go out with a stainless steel bowl and bend the amaranth seeding head over the bowl and um, kind of rub it softly with my fingers to encourage the seeds to come out. When the seeds are really ripe, they'll almost fall out. You can even just kind of jiggle the, the uh, seed head. And it's amaranthus retroflexus, which means backbending amaranth. And those seed spikes are very, very flexible, so it's not going to hurt it or break it if you bend it over. How's that? That was great. Great information. Thank you. I had kind of forgotten that it's a complete protein and that it, it was like one where when I found it in the backyard here, I was delighted because it's a really yeah. great, and it's, I have a forest of it. It's wonderful. So okay. thank you. I'll let the rest of it. I think I'm going to let the rest go to seed and collect the seed and do it that way. And um, yeah, so yeah. thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You're fucking good blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and there are six callers that have pressed one and raised their hand. And we'll look to the next caller in the 908 area code. In the 908, you are live with Susan. Yes, hi, Susan and Sarah Ellen. It's Carol. Hi. Hey, Carol. Hey. Um, that was my question was about the amaranth, no, the lamb's quarter seeds. I have you know, with your inspiration, have lamb's quarter on my deck, and it grew about in its little pot about six feet tall. But the Isn't it wonderful? It's such a weed. Ah, yes. So it's a – okay. But this, the brown and mature, they look um, sort of um, kind of like off-white with a gray hint on them. I don't – I should go buy them with the – Still, um, right, right now, most lamb's quarter in our area is flowering. Oh, flowers. Oh, I don't, I don't, well, okay, flowers. They're flowers tiny. are tiny. You need a, mic, tiny. You need a magnifying okay. glass to see them. Right. Oh, okay. They're in clusters okay. toward the ends yes. of the branches and the top of the plant. Yes. Exactly, right? yes. 
That's where I And it looks right. kind of whitish. Yes, yes. Those are the flowers. Okay. And then the seeds come after the flowers? And then the seeds come after the flowers, right. Okay. So we're not, I'm not ready yet at all. Not ready to harvest lamb's quarter seed yet. Not True. yet. But the bottom leaves, they, like, it's like you said, the, the, the plant is saying, I'm kind of done with this leaf thing, and it's going right. into the Because <laughs> the leaves on the bottom, I felt like I missed the window. With Some of them have turned, like, down. And so I don't have those leaves. So I, I'm learning about it. I'm getting to know lamb's quarter. So I feel like I've got to harvest most of the leaves sooner. It's hard to get much leaf if you just let it grow straight up. You need to prune it like you do your basil. Keep cutting the top off so you get maximum leaf production, right? If you just planted a basil seed and left it alone, it would act just like the lamb's quarter, and all you would get would be a few basil leaves and a bunch of basil flowers. Uh-huh. Now, it's okay with the lamb's quarter because the seed are, seed's are edible. So if you haven't pruned your plant, yeah, right. then you can still harvest for seed. But no one would have gotten very much leaf production from a plant that wasn't pruned. Okay. All right. That's, that's great information. Um, I, I appreciate that. Um, And again, just like with your basil, you just go out, you know, and you prune off the top. You cut off the top of the plant, and that forces it to branch out and to get bushier. And then after a while, a couple of weeks or so, you prune off the ends of all the branches that have grown, which forces them to grow more branches. Now it's really bushy, right? Why you've got so many... Yeah, so many greens. I got and now you have lots of leaves. Yes. 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 And I will okay. tell you truthfully that when I am harvesting lamb's quarter to cook, I am generally harvesting it either from a very well-tended plant where, where I'm taking whole branches off now. Now I'm pruning whole branches oh. off to take the leaves off and cook. Or I've gone to some place that has just, let it grow, but it's not yet past where it is now, which is just flowering. And I just pick hundreds of those plants and strip the leaves off and cook them. Yes. As they're that prolific a weed in some places, right? Yes, yes. So it's different if it's just like one in a pot on your patio and you want maximum leaf production, or if there's just a few in your garden, or if you're out someplace, in some on some farm which I have access to, where there's thousands of lamb's quarter plants. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. How's your life been? What are you doing that's exciting? Oh, um, well, I'm, I'm going to go on a couple grandma trips coming up. So Yay! Yahoo! Yeah, and uh, I have one more question about the amaranth seeds. Uh, one of the seed companies probably has those because I don't have any amaranth seeds. I want to grow them next year. 
Remind me again where you live? New Jersey. You have amaranth. Yeah, I I just don't see it. I I have to get the seeds from a seed company. You don't have to get the seeds from a seed company. What I'm saying is that over the next month you will see amaranth and you will be able to collect amaranth seeds. Okay. From the wild. <laughs> And yeah, if you don't, just, you don't need it till next spring anyhow. Yeah, right. So right. yourself all fall to find some amaranth that okay. you can throw the seeds around. Okay. It's a super okay. common weed. Okay. Okay. I've been looking. Susan, very oh, much. So tell me what you, where you've been looking. Well, I, I live in... It's not know, a roadside weed. You have to look in cultivated areas. Yeah, cultivated. Yeah. It has I go to be like to my, a farm oh, or a garden, someplace like that. It's actually yeah. cultivated. Yeah. Right? Amaranth's yeah. not going to grow out there on the roadside with chicory. It's not going to grow on the lawn with dandelion. Right? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So, so be sure you're looking in I, those places. You're not just going to see it driving down the road. But it loves to okay. grow in potted plants. And yeah, I of, of course, I have it all over the place because I have cool compost so I don't kill my weed seeds. And I pot up my plants with compost. And then I get to choose which pots I want to have amaranth in, which amaranth I want to harvest for greens. Right? Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of young amaranth in almost all of my planters. And I pick it when it's about eight inches high. Oh, wow. And then I stalk in the leaves, right? And again, I'm harvesting like several hundred plants because it's a very prolific grower. And now my other plants in those potters have room, but they've been protected, right, and nursemated by the amaranth when they were really young. And then in a couple of pots, I'll let a grandmother amaranth grow to get big and tall and have seeds so that I could show people about the seeds in the autumn. Oh, very good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, oh, okay. Thank you. Here's to Thanks you to finding us. amaranth. I know you will. Okay. Thank you. Dream blessings. Love, love, love you, bye. Bye. All right. And we've got five callers that have pressed one to raise their hands, and the next Caller has dialed in from the 212 area code. From the 212, you are live with Susan. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello, it's Lauren. Hi. Hi, Lauren. How are you tonight? I'm unaccountably nervous and worried about calling and asking you for anything. I'm having an attack of I shouldn't. <laughs> um, I'm so glad you called. It's good to hear your voice. Um, last couple of times I called, I had this, this awful cold, and you recommended El Campaign, and it was wonderful, and it seemed to be going away, and I was pretty cold, symptom-free for about a week, and then all of a sudden, big, 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 and I thought it was the cold, but it seems to be more like allergy mucusy, where... I feel like my throat is closing up and I can't breathe, which is not a fun symptom. 
and it Not scares me. And uh, someone reminded me that I went through this last year. And I remember calling you about it last year. And since I'm no longer living in the apartment where it rains inside and, and, and the things that got wet are no longer in my possession, it's probably not the mold we thought it might have been. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like the second and, and last year I probably recommended OSHA. OSHA, yes. Well, I've been using OSHA and Ella Campaign. I've continued to with Mullen and, and some ginkgo and stuff like that. Um, and I was also... I don't think of OSHA as something to just use. I think of it as something that I keep, like, when you're having that sensation of your throat closing, that that's when to use the OSHA. Uh, In fact, I find that if OSHA is used daily or repeatedly, it has little effect. Hmm. So I should just smack down when I'm having the bedtime or afternoon I can't breathe feeling. Yes. Like a a, a shot glass. Just right at that time, four to six drops. Four to six drops right then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I have been using it kind of regularly because this has been keeping so long a part of my repertoire. Um, the cold. I just started listening to a book called if there were no cats in the world. Oh. It's a book by a Japanese author uh-huh. whose name I don't remember right now. I just started listening to it. They're pretty fond of cats there, aren't they? And the reason I'm bringing it up is that the book starts by his talking about the cold that he had. Huh. And he just couldn't seem to quite totally shake it. Mm. This work or that would work for a little while, and then it would come back, but it would be different. And finally, after some time with this, he went to the doctor. Now, this is a novel, so it might not be true. I'm not saying this is actually true. It's in a novel. But he went to the doctor, and it turned out that he didn't have a cold because he had a brain tumor. Oh, great. That's something I can worry about now, too. Right. (laughs) Now you can be worried about it, but not be worried, right? Because worry is not really productive. What you can do is you can say to your body, hello, is is this a cold or is this a tumor? You know, let me know. And I find that most bodies ask outright, will let you know. It's not like it's your body's advantage to hide the truth from you. No, but fear will speak up, and you might not hear the right thing. Um, you know, I don't believe that. Okay. I think most of us know what the voice of fear sounds like. And that that there's a difference between saying, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm so worried. What if it's this? What if it's this? And actually saying to your body, is this a tumor? Is this something I need to go further with? Mm. Not Not just anxiety, but a specific request. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, anybody can be anxious. (laughs) 
that's not what we want. (laughs) So I don't know, but I do trust that the universe led me to start listening to this. Here you are calling in to say, gee, I thought I had gotten rid of it. We thought it might have been mold, and yet here it is still going on. What could be happening? Well, it's still going it's on. It's novel. I don't it's, even know if it's, it's really possible. It's going on again. It's going on. Yeah. It went on last year this time. Mm-hmm. And... It was also pointed out to me, because I didn't remember it was exactly this time. I remember I had had the symptom, and it had stressed me out. But and it was it was Anna Klemp who said, you know, you were getting ready to start some big things just before you had this. And, and you're doing it again right now. And it just wow. kind of rocked me. Yeah, I know. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good observation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what to make of it and how to how to help myself with it. Well, do you think? that there is an energy that is available to you but is stuck in your throat? 100,000%. In fact, I've been working on that, like with the chakra stuff and the looking at where I've been, uh, what I've had that's fueled me and why certain aspects have been shaky and how it's sort of come out in result of my having of holding back with some transitions of taking more time and instead of lacerating myself for them which I have in the past I'm thinking hmm well maybe it just was that I needed something some time to to shift Maybe yes. it's not because I have to be so, uh, you know, it's like we used to think of of, of symptoms as, as uh, bad things to eradicate instead of, oh, this is happening. Okay. Okay, uh, right. Yeah. Hello. What, what's, what's up? <laughs> what's it telling me? Yeah. Yeah. But, but partly because... I really want to counter people's belief that they're in school. Yeah. We're not in school. There are no lessons to be learned. Um, You're not going to graduate or fail. Um, You're here for experiences, good, bad. The only uh, thing I would say is avoid indifference. Yeah, (laughs) and avoid being uh, 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 not walking into them. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a good experience or or a bad experience or, a, you know. It's, we're here to experience. 
And how amazing is that? So it's yeah. to me, it's like a portal of power, a portal of energy, a opening that, as you say, I can treat as a symptom and close down, or I can treat as an ally and do my best to have the courage to go through the opening, as you just said. Yeah, yeah. And you know I'm a great believer in always, you know, ruling out the worst. So if you get some intimation that it might be something scary or bad, go and have that checked out. Rule it out. Where would I rule that out? Where would you, if you really, if you really get like a, a, something from yourself that's like, yeah, you know, this really could be a tumor, um, then you get yourself into the system and you get an MRI. Hmm. And you rule it out. It's okay to rule something out so long as you're clear with the people that you're working with from the jump, that that's your intention. Your intention is to rule something out. Yeah. And should they find something, they need to understand from the jump that you're not necessarily agreeing to their protocol. Right, right, right. That you're there for diagnostics. I had read something about the um, the the whole mucus thing and somebody thinking it was lung related and it turned out to be brain related. It turned out to be what related? B- brain related. Brain related. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was it, I I didn't I I don't have any more information about that at all. It's a scary thing to contemplate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, oh, God, you know, I I don't even want to say this. (laughs) Yeah, I recently had a talk with my cousin's husband. I had no idea that he had been going through tumors that have had to be reduced and reduced and reduced because they're benign, but they might affect his optic nerve. And for years, and he's fighting the insurance company to get the right treatment. Yeah, really, absolutely disgusting. There's one place in Harlem that does this fabulous work, and that's what he needs. And it was actually 9-11 exposure, probably, possibly, possibly. He didn't think about that, but he was... I don't know. I just I just heard this story a few weeks ago at a family thing, and I had no idea that he had been going through that, or that he had been ex- so exposed continually in his workplace. 
after mm. buildings went down. Not my story, but <laughs> three brainstormer stories recently. Yeah. 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 Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I will also ask the grandmothers to, um, you know, clue me in if there's anything further that I need to share with you. Really, would you? I will. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Susan. Uh, I should go away now, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's this whole thing. (laughs) Are you allowed to ask? Are you allowed to receive? Right. So true, so true. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being here. You are welcome. I love you lots. I love you lots. Green blessings. Green, green, green blessings. Thank you, Susan. Lauren the Greger. (laughs) I'll I'll work on it. (laughs) Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, yes. Good night. Good night. All right. And there are six hands raised uh, that have pressed one. And we will go to the next that's dialed in from the 707 area code. From the 707, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Marion. Thank you. Hi, Marion. What's up tonight? Well, I'm, I'm doing some wound care for a dog, and I wanted to know if, you think I'm doing okay? He's a French okay. dog. He's a ten-year-old yellow lab. He had surgery on his flank, you know, his upper thigh, to have a tumor removed. So it was a pretty good incision, like four inches. The last bit, the last round part in the middle, is not healing well. So I volunteered to bring him home, and so I packed it the last couple of days with comfrey powder and yarrow powder. Mixed it with some, I tried olive oil, but he licked that, so aloe. And I just pack it in there and cover it up. Does that sound good? Um, I'm remembering back to what uh, Barbara did at the Comfrey Conference. And she told us that it was important to use yarrow tincture in the wound. Mm-hmm. And that she first thoroughly drenched the wound in yarrow tincture before putting Humphrey on it. Okay. All right. I don't have that on hand, but I can get some. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And um, aromatic things like yarrow when powdered lose their effectiveness pretty quickly. Okay. If you buy it as a powder. Well, I bought... I. 
from the garden. So I dried the flowers. From your garden that you've dried and powdered? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you could, you, you could at some point in the future make a tincture. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that about 80% of the yarrow that I encounter, I tincture about 18% I put in oil, and the remaining 2% I might dry. I okay. hardly ever use yarrow dried. Okay. Well, that's what I had, so I did that. I also have... I've told, I but you could also do that up as a wash. Okay. Yeah, I made a tea, too, out of the yarrow and the comfort. Yes. So I was dab, dab the wound with that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That okay. sounds good. And I have calendula flowers. Is it, respo- is it responding to this? Well, it's only been about a day and a half. So I'll know uh-huh. hopefully in a couple of days. Yeah. I have little to no experience using powdered herbs. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I had. So, so, I, um, so I don't know, you know, if it's going to impact the healing of the wound, like if it's mechanically going to hold it open. Mm-hmm. I tend to use poultices and soaps and compresses on wounds. Well, I have the tea ready, so we'll do a compress tonight. See if see if that if that works well too. Okay. You know, okay. uh, you can't do it wrong. Right. Right. And you know, if the dog has a scar, it's not the end of the world. Oh no, I, we don't care about the scar. We just want it to heal. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. In a person, yeah. I'd say, oh well, you can't do that because it might make a scar. But on a dog, we're not so mm-hmm. concerned. No, no, so, I just want to be good. Oh, well, okay. So the most important thing is what you're doing is all good. It's all totally mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And keep on doing it, and you can't do it wrong, and I'm sure this dog is going to get lots better. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll call you next week. Thank you. That'd be great. Do it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Great mm-hmm. blessing. Love you. Bye. All right. The next caller is dialed in from the 412 area code. From the 412, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Margaret. And hey, I Margaret. Would appreciate, uh, I would appreciate your opinion and your advice. I had uh, breast cancer 27 years ago, and I have been fine basically since. But a year ago, I had um, a worry about ovarian cancer, and so... Um, they gave me a hysterectomy, and I did not have it. But since that, <laughs> gnashing of teeth, <laughs> screaming. I wish you called well, me that. I really wish you called well, me that yeah. before you let me castrate you. Well, I'm 79, so it's really an issue. At this point. It is an issue. It is a, you're now at 10 times greater risk of a heart attack. Well, I'll, you know, I'll be careful. You're greater risk of a broken hip. It is an issue what they did to you, Margaret. Okay, okay. It's an attack well, on right. your womanhood, and that the and that there was no reason for it really makes me scream. Ah, uh, uh, okay. They took. And you know what? Ovarian cancer doesn't start in the ovaries. If we're worried about ovarian cancer, we take the fallopian tubes and we leave the ovaries. I don't care how old the woman is. The ovaries are still producing 29 kinds of estrogen. Do you now take hormone pills? No, I don't. Okay. 
All right. Um, so anyway, at least, then, at least not that. But yeah. ovaries are absolutely critical for a woman's longevity and health. And there's no reason unless cancer has been actually diagnosed in the ovary to ever remove a woman's ovaries. Well, it's it's interesting because they can't I come until they become there. a loud voice telling other women not to have their ovaries removed. Yeah, I I probably will do that. <laughs> Thank um, you, anyway, Mark. Since then, the problem that I have experienced is that the left breast, where I had the original cancer, has shrunk half its size, and I am flat chested anyway, but. This is I was down just to saying to nothing. you that the ovaries continue to produce 29 kinds of estrogen your entire life. Yeah, yeah. You don't have your ovaries, they're not producing that, and you're not taking it. What's going to happen is you will wind up without any breasts pretty much at all. Well, I don't care about that, but I wondered about the difference between the two. Why is it depleting in the one breast where my previous cancer was, the breast cancer, 27 years uh-huh. ago, as opposed to the and other. And how is that breast cancer treated? With chemotherapy, I mean, consider it was 27 years ago. So with chemotherapy and radiation. The effects of which are lifelong. It doesn't matter if it was 27 years ago or 107 years ago. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm doing fine. Yeah, Absolutely. But you're yeah. asking why that breast would react so much, and that's why, because that breast is still dealing with the after effects of the chemo and the radiation. Your whole body okay. is still dealing with the after effects of the chemo, and the okay. area that was irradiated is, is a part that has to deal most strongly. And as in any radiation incident, um, the effects get less and less and less, but they're still always there. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I was kind of shocked at the um, amount of damage that radiation did, even with all of the protections that I had against it and how um, little the medical profession does to warn people about it. Well, my radiation was the new kind of radiation. Even 27 years ago, it was at the University of Pittsburgh, and it was directed, you know, they put um, surround it so that it just was at the point of, of where the cancer so was. So was mine. Oh, okay. And it was only a few years ago, an even better state of the art. And believe yeah. me, yeah. fucked my body over big time. Uh, okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, um, I just wondered if you had any advice or suggestions for me, but you kind of have answered my question. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions right now? Am I doing what? Drinking. I couldn't hear. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Nourishing Uh, herbal infusions are made each evening at your home by boiling water, weighing out one ounce of one of five herbs, I'll tell you what they are, not all together, but just one of them at a time, into a quart jar, 
and then pouring the boiling water into the jar, lidding it and letting it steep overnight. Straining it the next day, refrigerating the liquid, and drinking that nourishing herbal infusion. So okay. one of the herbs might be nettle. Okay. One of the herbs is red clover. Okay. A great ally to women and to breasts. One of the herbs is oat straw, a great ally to hormonal health in the body. One of the herbs is comfrey, a good ally to flexibility. And one of the herbs is linden. Many people have heard of turmeric and heard that it's an anti-inflammatory. And linden is, oh, I don't know, maybe a hundred times more powerful than turmeric. Okay. So it's really right. fabulous anti-inflammatory. So I each evening I make one quart of one of those herbs. So last night I made oat straw. And that's what I'm drinking today. And then tonight, I might make comfrey, and I'll drink that tomorrow, and so on. And my goal no, is to always... my goal is to I drink a quart of infusion a day. Okay. But not to drink any water of any kind ever. Really. Really. Wow. What will the water do to me? Well, you know, there are no medical studies showing that you need to drink water. The whole idea that you need to drink two quarts of water a day was made up by an advertising executive to sell bottled water. Oh, sure. And I'm suggesting that you drink a quart of infusion. So that's a quart of liquid right there. Sure. And that you eat a good diet from which you will get another quart of fluid. So you'll wind up getting two quarts of fluid. But if you, okay. in addition to that, drink two quarts of water, you're now really messing up your electrolyte balance. I see. I see. Did you read the story about the woman who killed herself by drinking water the other day? No. She was very thirsty. She drank three bottles of water, one after the other, and died. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you think any But most people do that. that. Most people do that yeah. just over a period of years by over-consuming yeah. water. So along yeah. with drinking your nourishing herbal infusion, which is going to provide your body with a plentitude of proteins, vitamins, minerals, polyphenols, anti-inflammatories, right? and they're foods. They're nourishing. They're not drugs in any way at all. So they're totally safe for right. anybody that age and you can interface them with any kind of other things that you're taking or doing, that's not a problem at all. And most people find that once they start backing off on the water, drinking nourishing herbal infusion instead of water, that a lot of their acute and chronic health issues really turn around. Interesting. Um so do you think that um, I should have any tests that, or does anything seem relevant to do at this point? I'm not sure what a test would show us. Okay. Um, 
Do you think there's a difference in the size of your breast because the breast that's smaller is undergoing some problems? Well, that I mean, when I look at it, I just think, oh, my heavens, you know, what what has happened here? I mean, is there a possibility of another tumor that's just widespread? The tumor, would make, feel... tumor would make it bigger. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Okay. Smaller. I right? thought of that. What about this widespread um, bad stuff all over the breast or something like that? Or, I mean, should I? There um, is a kind stop? of cancer that is kind of general all over the breast, and it makes the whole breast look like an orange peel. Oh, no, I don't look like that. I saw my mother, and my mother pointed it out to me. She pointed out her breast to me. Um, when she was undergoing chemotherapy, and she said, look at what this is doing. They're going, going, gone. Hmm. So I have well, seen seen this in other women, especially yeah. after the removal of the ovaries, if the women aren't taking hormones, that that's one thing, one of the disruptions that happens when... Your ovaries are stolen. I see. Yeah, you're right. I should have called you before I had the operation. <laughs> wish you had. I didn't say you should, but I said yeah. I wish. <laughs> no shoulds. You did what you did at the time, but I yeah, wish right. that you had because I like women to keep their ovaries. It's Over. healthy yeah. for women to keep their ovaries. It doesn't have anything to do with having children. Oh, right. And no, you're a you're sturdy, strong woman, and things are going to work out just great with you. And I'm glad that it's not a cosmetic issue. Oh yeah, no, I I could yeah. care less. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. You take care, Margaret. Bye. Bye. Good night. All right, and there are. Four callers that have their hand raised at this time, and the next caller has dialed in from the 401 area code. From the 401, you are live with me. Hi, Susan. Green Blessings. Hey, Green Blessings. I'm going to cut to the chase and make it as quick as I can. Um, I have two questions. One is a probably short answer, and the other may be more complicated. Um, I attempted the peach fizz with my peach peels. And, and gone for a couple. I got a layer of mold on top. Can I carefully scoop that off and try it? What color is the mold? White. Yes, it's fine. Okay, so if I just get it out without leaving any in, I should be okay. So there's no um, fizz. Wait, there's no fizz going on. Oh, there is fizz because you can see it bubbling under the mold. Oh, good. Okay, so yeah, just get the mold off and. Okay. Um, it, my guess is that the container wasn't full. Yes, yes, and it wasn't pushed down, and I wasn't here to stir or anything either. Do you normally yeah, yeah, stir? Yeah, all of those things, all of those things, okay. just just off the Learning mold. And, and I, I just bottled it, bottled it up in kombucha bottles, which can withstand the pressure, and refrigerate it when it gets to the point that I want, because it'll keep on going. Remember, it's a recipe for vinegar. 
Right, yeah, that's what I remember you saying the other day, is you got to drink it before it's finished. <laughs> yeah, you know, like with kombucha, you got to, like, boop, get it right at that fizz stage, if that's what you want. And if not, like the kombucha, it'll become vinegar, and it's tasty that way, too. I just used some peach vinegar that I had from the last time I made peach fizz, and I just let some go to vinegar just to see what it was like. Peach vinaigrette. Sounds exactly. <laughs> okay, um, and the harder question. The harder question is, I have uh, three weathers that are about 12 months old. Um, when I got them, they were banded. And my most friendly, loving, I call him my goat dog because he just comes up like a dog or a cat that climbs in your lap. He lost his uh, testicles today, and he is he's bleeding, and I have a great vet. It's, I'm all new at all of this. Um, so she told me, I mean, I found this out probably five o'clock tonight. Wait, five o'clock I'm tonight. not sure what you mean he lost his testicles. So um, when I got when I got off, not supposed to make the scrotum fall off. Oh, I was told by the farmer I got them from that that's what would happen. They would just kind of dry up and fall off, and one day they're just not there. But he's quite the testicles dry up. Okay, and then within the scrotum, which never gets bigger. Right. Okay. But it sh- there shouldn't it, there should not be necrotic tissue, and this is why many people don't band. Okay. Because it can destroy tissue, and it yeah. sounds as though that's what's happened here. So you need some anti-infectives. Yarrow is a good <clears throat> agent as an anti-infective and to stop bleeding and to speed healing. So I didn't. Um, so I have Juliet's books, and I. He also lost his uh, scur a couple weeks ago, so I had a bloodbath that day too. Um, and I couldn't find any yarrow um, preparations in the book, so I ended up doing um, rosemary for antiseptic properties and then some comfrey, and I made just a tea and made it into a spray, which seemed to help the scur thing within a day. Um, oh, I'm so, so I tried the wonder. same. Can't do it wrong. Okay, so. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I don't know if, I mean, I saw rosemary in other preparations, so I wasn't sure. Um, Juliet um, loved okay. rosemary, but of course she lived in areas where rosemary grew. Yes, yes, she did. Um, so, okay, so um, the vet said he, he maybe he tore it, like, on something. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, she's not an herbalist, so I wanted to run it by you and see if that is if I did the right thing or if I should do I think something you did different. The right. Absolutely. No, I think you're doing great. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, I'm that. And if you go. have Euro, you now have permission to use it. You don't need to yes. say so. Right. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Right. Good night. <laughs> all right. Okay. There are three Get one more in here. All right, nine one seven. You are next from the nine one seven. You are live. Oh my goodness! Thank you so much. Um, this is Nagin from Brooklyn. Um, I'm so happy that I was able to speak to you. So I have been experiencing a lot of bloatedness, and like it started. I started complaining about it in March, and I went to see my doctor. And so, and I also had asked for a stool test, 
I asked for everything, and my doctor is really great. She kind of, you know, works with my holistic sense. Um, and so fast forward to a month ago, I finally gave the stool test after I got back from my vacation. And, and so you say a stool test. The most frequent stool test is a stool test for occult blood to look for possible cancer. Is that what you're talking about? Um, well, I just I thought maybe like I have parasites. I just didn't really really know. And I and I know like doing a stool test really tells you a lot, right? So what? No. Okay. No. You ha- no. There is no general stool test. Okay, you ha- so- if you think you have parasites, you have to look. You have to do a parasite screen. You have to specifically okay. look for them. Right. So, so did, it's not just like did. do a stool test and look for everything unless you're going to somebody who's a little, I'm going to be polite and say fringy. No. So the stool test, I remember I had to take like, oh, my God, like six different samples and six different bottles. We did a bunch of she. Very, it was like a, yeah. And, and so that was a screen for specific organisms. That's what I'm saying. There isn't any general test. Well, I know there was one for parasites as well. And the one that what came the up ones? that... What were the other ones for? I cannot recall, but one of them, which was called um, right stain, and that one came back with white blood cells. And so she was like, there might be some kind of an infection. And by the time I got that result and, like, days later, because I, then, I, then I made an appointment for a gastro doctor. Um, and in those, like, in that small window, my stomach was so huge, and I was in so much pain I, that I, I my went to stomach, the ER. My stomach, I think you mean intestines? I'm sorry? By stomach, I believe you mean intestines? Just like Susan, my whole abdomen. But you, but your abdomen my... is your intestines. If you put your hand between your breasts, that's where your stomach is. Okay, so this was like right under. This is like what's happening is under my left rib cage. Under but... the left rib cage. So that's your intestines, not your stomach. Yeah. It's the well. Anyway, I. After seeing the gastro, which he was not a good fit at all, I had I just had a new one yesterday, and she's amazing. But he tested me for H. pylori, and so I tested positive for that. And so every that's, human know, being has H. pylori. Hello. Right, which I know I I learned so much about H. pylori through my friends, through my two girlfriends that had it. Through uh, functional Everyone medicine. Everyone has it. The only people who are injured by it are people who take antibiotics to get rid of it. Right. So I refuse the antibiotics. Thank and you. And I put myself, yes, I put myself on a regimen. This is now, I started, this Friday will be two weeks. Um. And the new gastro doctor that I went to, she was really open. She was like, well, I trust that this, you know, this protocol that you're so on. I'm so interested in this that I hope you can call back next week so that I can hear all of it because, whoa, our time is up. I'm so sorry. Really <laughs> want to hear it, but just can't do 
it right now, I need to introduce Deborah Wayne, the okay. founder of the International Chronic Pain Institute and a world-renowned energy healer. Her leading-edge non-drug method, known as high-speed healing, has helped tens of thousands in over 160 countries to rapidly release chronic pain, depression, anxiety, trauma, and binge eating. And these are all capitalized, so we know that they're like really serious, not just regular stuff. Chronic fatigue, insomnia, and many other mysterious and chronic conditions. She is a highly sought-after speaker and a number one best-selling author of Why Do I Still Hurt? Deborah Wayne has earned degrees and certifications in psychology, hypnotherapy, chemical dependency counseling, and has 35-plus years of practicing and teaching meditation. She's also a nationally recognized glass artist, a former professional modern dancer, a certified yoga instructor, and leads the only practitioner training worldwide in her proprietary method of high-speed healing. We're so excited to have you here tonight, Deborah. Thank you for being with us. All right, and this is Sarah Ellen. Um, Deborah is with us. I just am not seeing her number. We're communicating through back channels. So, Deborah, if you could just please press 1, and that way um, hopefully I'll see your hand go up. Ah, there we go. All right, she's coming in from a one 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 number, and this should be you, Deborah. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here tonight. Well, it's a lively call, I can tell. <laughs> it is indeed. Tell us a yeah. little about high speed energy healing. I'd be happy to. So the fastest, safest, easiest way to find the root cause of any symptom or condition is to first look in the energy field. This is a field of information, not the way we normally think of information, but it's vibrational information. And it it surrounds the body. It's actually an extension of the body. And when you look in the field... Everything is recorded there. Everything that's ever happened to us gets imprinted and recorded in this energy field. And so things that haven't even shown up yet in the body can be detected. So I heard people tonight on your call talking about breast cancer and you know, H. pylori and all these other issues. You can find these disturbances in the energy field and oftentimes pre- prevent even before it shows up physically. And then if it's already manifested physically, we can... I just need to stop you for a minute. H. pylori is not a disturbance. Healthy human beings have H. pylori. I hear you. I do. But when there's an imbalance is what I'm saying, and it's causing symptoms that are problematic for people, these are imbalances or disturbances that are... It's diagnosis. The only people for whom it causes problems are people who take antibiotics to try to get rid of it. Okay, well, that, You're right I, that there can be too much of it, but it, mm-hmm. getting rid of it doesn't work to treat it as a disease or a problem. It's better to treat it as something that's supposed to be there and to yeah. build up the other things by eating better quality food, and then you're going to get definitely a better energy field, eh? 
Well, I appreciate your perspective tremendously. Yes, I hear what you're saying loud and clear. Uh, yeah. My my only point here is that if you look at the subtle level of energy before you even look at the physical body, we could nip a lot of things quicker and it would be easier for people who are suffering and go down that long rabbit hole where they go symptom after symptom to try to cut it out or drug it out. And then, you know, decades later, after they're exhausted, uh, both financially and emotionally and mentally and physically, and nothing has worked, if we had looked first at the energetics of it, this is the quickest way to delete or bring back into harmony because it's like our body's like a guitar that can get out of tune. And like you said, it doesn't mean necessarily that there's something wrong, um, but there's something that's causing a symptom, and most people get very fixated on the physical symptoms, and the entire medical profession looks at the physical. I'm suggesting the first stop should be looking at the energy field, and that's the quickest way to alleviate and uh, bring harmony back. It's like tuning up the strings. You don't need to take off all the strings, throw them out. You need to tune them up. And so you have ways to help people tune them up. Absolutely, yes. Oh, Um, tell us more. (laughs) So I've been able to develop over many years a, a high sensitivity Uh, partly due to my background in the arts um, and for many, many years of meditation, uh, the hands, which are very large energy centers, mine became super sensitive, and I'm able to scan the energy field just like an MRI machine scans the, the body. And I'm able to actually feel where there are disturbances, and I can bring in healing frequencies. And these absolutely harmonize and they commu- it communicates via the field. So let me back up a second. We all live in a field of information and this is something developed by, discovered by physics. It's not something I made up. Uh, there's, in the 1980s, a new field was classified in physics and they called it a torsion field, a spin field, an information field because they discovered that the field was informing the body. Now we live literally in an ocean of information that most people aren't paying any attention to, but it's affecting us. And then we have our own uh, energy field that surrounds our own body. So I'm able to scan a field, both individually and for a group, and bring in harmonious, coherent vibrations, which brings the guitar back in tune. And this can happen very rapidly uh, for many, many people, and even some people who are highly analytical or um, maybe, you know, very skeptical about something like this. It can, it can take a, maybe a few more sessions. But I in was general, just going to ask you about the people who are skeptical. <laughs> yeah, my mind. Well, Good work. It, it's true. There, you know, and I understand it. it. This can all sound like, what the hell is she talking about? This is so, you know, out there. But it's really not out there. It's based on principles from physics. And, in fact, it was the National Institute of Health that first studied and gave the name um, of the biofield to this whole information field. They did a study, and they said, yes, it's real. We don't really understand all of it yet, but um, they gave it the term biofield. And so there's a lot of research and based on science out there. 
for those of you skeptics, and believe me, I'm a big skeptic of so many things, <laughs> so I get it. But the the field is a, is a real measurable thing. There are devices that do measure the energy field. Unfortunately, you don't find it anywhere at a doctor's office. They're in subtle energy research labs, and nobody goes there when something hurts. So this is the you know the irony of all of it. But I've discovered the I've developed the ability to scan the field, feel where I need to work, and then bring in these harmonious vibrations, which then the field informs the body. And you have to remember, the body is actually a body-mind-emotion-energy complex. It's not just a body. It's a mind-energy-emotion complex, and it works together as a unified whole. So when I'm able to work with people in my method, it's working on all these levels at the same time, which can have a very profound effect. Yes. And I'm sure you recognize, you know, even you're talking about body, mind, spirit, which, as I said, as I often say, as soon as you say body, mind, spirit, you've already divided the person. Exactly. It's so true, right? And we're always labeling, which causes all the problems. Right. And so what you're doing is not giving it those labels and returning it to its inherent wholeness. Innate wholeness. Yes, exactly. Thank you. We've just gotten, you know, the whole medical field is so, it's, I'm making this word up, it's minutiaized. It's focused on the minutia and all the labels and the separation, which complicates and actually moves you further away from wholeness. And so this brings you back into the innate state, which we all have. Our natural state is wholeness. And every one of us has this ability to go back into that state. I don't care how long you've been sick or had symptoms or pain. Um, You know, I don't care what stage they tell you you're at. We have an innate ability to go back into that whole state, that balanced state, if we're in a safe place with the right support, the right tools, and, and... given the right guidance and your your answers are inside of you you would if you were to really be able to listen to it and se- and the, the the one thing to separate from is the fear and when you can separate from fear you can hear the truth of what you really need and that is the thing that people always bring up i'm sure you've heard it as frequently as i have when i say to people your body knows ask your body mm-hmm. google tell you and yes. nine times out of ten, the answer is, no, I can't trust my body because there's too much fear. Exactly. That's real. And that comes from our programming, our conditioning from childhood, from education and religions and the world and the news and all of these things that literally are fear-mongering machines. Your, your natural state is not a state of fear. And, in fact, there's only um, two... Um, two fears that we're born with, as I understand it. One is loud noises, like explosions, and the other is falling from heights. And think about that. That means every other fear is learned. Every other fear. And most people are walking around consumed with fear and fear-based thoughts and the emotions that come as the result. And this, my friend, is the root of disease. Dis-ease. It comes from fear. Yes, but not even real fear, 
Because right. real fear usually causes action. But from anxiety, which is like fear's little sister and immobilizes you. Yes, and it and anxiety really, if you take a look at your thoughts whenever you quote-unquote feel anxious, you are thinking in the future about something that hasn't happened yet, and you're telling yourself a scary story. And this is why you hear so many of these ancient and new practices asking people to learn to become present in the present moment. Why? Because in the present moment, that's the only thing you really know 100% is true. The, the rest of this futurizing is make-believe, and you can scare yourself sick in a heartbeat in a moment. And if you're looking at the past, it's already done. So in the present moment, when you learn to be very, very present, not only will you lose the fear, you'll hear your answers and you'll know what to do. And this can take, you know, a little bit of practice and it's helpful to have a guide until you can do it on your own. But this is something we all can learn to practice and we should be learning this from the time, you know, we, we're two years old. I totally you, agree. It is the <laughs> real missing element in our education of children. Isn't it? And their children, the little children, teach us. not teach anything about how to emotionally regulate themselves. Exactly, exactly. And these emotions... I often find myself saying, hello, you need to paint a line down the road and put up some stop signs. I love that. So I tell people to literally stand up, put your hand out, and say, stop. I will not entertain you one more moment. We have to learn to take charge. Of Whoa, these emotional what? Why, why are you thought. letting this run your life? Don't. Exactly. Exactly. Not Just required. stop it. Well, you yes. know, yeah, and we're... Elizabeth we're Cooper trained. often literally said that to us. She'd just look at us and just say, stop it. Exactly. I do the same. Because, you know, most people, are they don't re- really do it on purpose. They've been trained since a youngster to listen to those external authorities and they, they've been told, stop, don't, don't do this, do that, sit still, you know, for so long. And no, you shouldn't feel that way. And you can't do that. And so they've learned to disassociate from the truth of what would really help them. And they don't know which voice to listen to anymore. So that's where people get confused. And this is why disease takes over, because we don't, we're not clear about the inner guidance. There's too many other voices going on in that committee in the head. And we need to do, do the work to like quiet that off- down. You're offering two things. First of all, you're offering to feed the person if they're in a state where they can't actually get this information themselves. But you're yes. also offering them how to do it. Well, I offer a multifaceted approach. Because if I just do the energy healing for them, that just creates a dependency. That, that's not my goal. What I do is I give people a rapid leg up to more rapidly without overanalyzing. Because most people I work with are so tired, they, can't, they don't even have the energy to learn something at first. Um, so, or they're too sick or you know, confused. So I give them the leg up by doing the energy healing for them for a period of time, usually four to six sessions. This gives people so much relief. They sleep again. They start digesting. They eliminate more with ease. They, you know, they start feeling more, um, more energy come back. And then they feel hopeful. And then they're 
they get their brain working more efficiently, and then I teach them the self-care tools. This is all part of my whole high-speed healing way, and I do. I teach them um, a specific technique that I developed to find where the emotions are going and getting stored up in their body and how to release them, not just hold them in, hold them down, numb them out, suppress, repress, and deny them. And I also teach um, a belief clearing I, most people don't ever examine their thinking process. They think every thought running through their head is actually true, and it isn't. Most of them are not true. So I teach people a way to learn to examine their thoughts and release the ones that are not serving them and get back to thinking in a natural way that's helpful. And when you combine changing the thoughts and releasing the damaging emotions and you get the help, the accelerated help with your energy field, those three things combined, there's nowhere else to look. And then what you're suggesting, I find people who then start doing these elixirs and nutrients and their, their dietary, they change their diets, there's less resistance to that, number one. And number two, they assimilate the nutrients better and faster and they desire to stay on that track. They're not constantly trying to willpower or force themselves to eat what they don't like. They literally, their vibration changes, and they want to eat healthier. They want to eat a higher vibrational, higher frequency diet. And actually, what I'm saying is even a little deeper than that, and that is anyone who's eating any diet and who's in any mm-hmm. belief system, who simply starts making and drinking nourishing herbal infusions a quart a day, mm-hmm. that, that what you're talking about will happen. And then they will want to and be available to you in the high-speed energy healing. Because well, it they can't work that way. Anymore. Absolutely. As I, I say, I, don't change your diet. Let your diet change you. I love that. Well, see, there, there are many doorways in, okay? And it can and every it, doorway it definitely is a doorway can work that way. There really is. And some people start with what you're suggesting. I've just worked with a lot of people who either wouldn't do it, couldn't do it for whatever excuse or reason. And it was, or it was, they were so severe that they, they didn't find it working fast enough for them. And, and five, five days. Hmm? What? Five days. Mm, beautiful. Because it, either either way can be a doorway in to make a person available to, you know, if they start with my method, I find people overnight, often, well, I'll never forget the first, the first time I worked on an, a dog, my, um, the, the, the person was, Greg brought his dog in to work with me, this is many years ago. He said, I don't know what you did to George, but George became a vegan overnight and he started, he only wants to eat fresh living foods now. <laughs> so then I started noticing people who told me overnight they wanted to juice or do, eat this or that and they no longer were eating pizza and fried foods and I started seeing that it was shifting their frequencies and making them open to the higher frequency foods. And I'm this juice is worse than pizza. I'd much rather see somebody eat pizza than juice. <laughs> well, nothing on this drugs. planet eats raw food. There's no nutrition of any kind available from raw food. Yeah. Nothing on this planet that eats raw food. 
um, except a few people who don't really understand how to nourish themselves. Yeah. And so I'm, I, I'm appalled at what's happened to this person. And I was just thrilled to read last week that the number of vegans, in other words, people eating a un, totally untenable diet, a diet of hatred, has fallen to its lowest level ever in the United States. Mm, interesting. Less, less than 1% of the population is involved in this absurdity. It's not good for the planet to be a vegan, and it's certainly not good for your body, and it's really bad for your brain. It's why I call them vegans, because they're so vague. <laughs> Interesting. Well, definitely different strokes for different folks. Um, I have found you know, there's many pathways in, and there's learning from all of it, so I, I, I won't take I've up a debate here. I've never found anybody to be able to get to wholeness by excluding any living thing. Yeah. Yeah. When we say that some other living thing is not mm-hmm. acceptable to us, we are not talking about wholeness. I couldn't agree with you more. So back to high-speed healing because the whole diet, the diet is not my expertise. I don't give dietary advice. I work in the energy field, and that's my expertise. Totally. And, and it's, I agree with you that many people are eating food that doesn't have much chi or much energy in it. It's right. not. It's not whether it's meat or a vegetable because you can make a homemade pizza that's loaded with energy, and you can go get a really tired vegetable. Yes, for sure, no question. But it about really it. does have to do with chi, with energy, with it's everything. I does. mean, yeah. I walk barefoot, and people say, "Oh, you have so much energy," and I say, "No, the earth has so much energy," and mm-hmm. I'm simply. Hide in. I am supplied with energy with every step. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm barefoot right now as we speak. To do that, you just have to take your shoes off, but most people aren't willing to. Oh, interesting. But you're tied in. I find it hard to put the shoes on, actually. Actually, I can feel it in your in your voice and in your body that that upwelling energy from the earth finds an easy path through you and into whatever you would like, in any way you want to share it with others, through words, your hands, through your books. Tell us a little more about your book. What made you write a such a solitary thing and you're such a social person? Well, I, I wrote the book after a loud voice within um, asked, kept asking me to, to share. And actually, it took a long time for me to get it out. When I would work, years ago, I only worked with people individually. And every single person, after we would finish our sessions, would say, oh, Deborah, you should write a book. Oh, Deborah, you should write a book. Oh, you know, and it, it finally sunk in that I was saying the same thing over and over and over and over to people. And I need to just write some things down and maybe it would help more people in a faster way. So that's what motivated me to write the book. And in it, it's quite personal. Um, I shared quite a bit of my own personal journey because I went through hell's hell. And that's what, that was my big wake-up call. So I was able to transform what could look like a really negative experience, but it became the greatest turning point of my life. And that's why to any of you who are listening tonight or whenever you listen to this recording, if you're going through hell, it can be the absolute greatest blessing 
if you use it to wake up. And that's what I Turn did. Turn your hard box into a soft success. I'm sorry? What did you say? Turn your hard knocks into a soft success. Hard knocks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, I'm not, you know, the are book... Are you hearing the interference on the phone line? I sure am. It's like someone washing their dishes by hand or washing something by right. hand. What is that? Oh. Yeah. It seems to have stopped. Now it stopped, yeah. I think we have a third party. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What haven't we talked about that you really wanted to talk about this evening? Well, I guess what I'd like to talk about is that there are people who, no matter what they try, they just seem to not respond to the treatment or the things that they're doing. And they get very frustrated, understandably so. And they, they always say to me, Deborah, I've tried everything. But one, or nothing shows up on a medical test. And then the doctors don't know what to tell them to do. And this can be a very upsetting situation. I'd like to speak to those people who feel like they've tried everything or where everything they try, uh, things might show up on a test and they do exactly as they're told, nothing works or uh, nothing shows up on a test. And I'd like to say to you, you are not cursed. You, it's not your karma. You're not stuck. You just have a blind spot. And I promise you uh, that what I have found in every single case is that there is some habit of thought combined with a, an emotional habit that is actually contributing to the problem. And they're not, most practitioners won't, know how to take you to investigate that and this is why you're stuck and you get stuck in a revolving door trying harder and harder thinking the same thoughts having the same emotions and you can't get out into the the hallway and so one of the reasons I think people finally get help over here is that we have that three-pronged approach where we we investigate the mental aspects we go deep into the emotions and we do the energy field. And like I said earlier, if you look at those three areas, you will change. You will. So I, I, I just want to make sure that if you're out there and you're feeling hopeless and helpless like I was many years ago, don't give up hope. Even if it sounds wacky or too out there, you need to try something out of, out of the box, out of the norm, and you just might be shocked at how it could work for you. So don't give up, whether it's with me or someone else, you know, just don't give up and take the next indicated step that you feel you're willing to do. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Reach out to me um, on the website, which is www.internationalcpi.com. You can email us through the website. You'll see a list of services. You can get a free copy of my book. You, there's many uh, videos you can watch. There's a lot. There's something for everyone. So go to internationalcpi.com. We do answer every email. Sometimes it takes a day or two or three. But we will get back to you and uh, would love to help you. Thank you so much, Susan. Copy of your book. There's a, yeah, there's, there's a, di- a digital copy that's free to everyone. Yes, 
I want people to wake up and get the help they need. And sometimes my story seems to really have an impact. So we start giving it away absolutely free. If you if you like to underline and dog ear the pages, you can go to Amazon for that. A, hard, a soft a paperback or an actual book. You know, I think that we are engaged in reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And so I want to thank you for the yes. beautiful that you are doing on this cloak, this amazing web of energy that thank is you. being brought in through you and all of the people that you touch. Thank you very, Thank you very so much. Thank you for having me and helping me get the word out to more and more people because it, it truly is miraculous what I've seen and what I know is possible. And I just love when I see people who were helpless and hopeless make that turnaround and start to thrive. I know you must feel the same. And it's just there's no greater gift to uh, it to both of us, you know. So, no you. higher high either. <laughs> no higher high, isn't it? It's the, it's the greatest high ever when somebody with really 30 is. years of fibromyalgia pain says, wow, Deborah, in less than an hour I'm pain-free the, for the first time. When someone tells me they've slept for the first time in a decade, when someone tells me their stomach stops hurting, I mean, there's no higher high. So thank None you for helping me reach more thank people. Thank you so much. Deborah Wade and Sarah Ellen thank for helping restore herbal medicine as people's medicine green blessings everybody and good night Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.